14. I guess 14. I might even count them, but Corey said 14. So, and then there was workers. And um, we were having supper, sitting around the table with Mormons after supper. One of them started asking questions. The next thing I found myself in, uh, in my element, you could say. I mean, I'd use me in different elements, but that, you could say, I found, I remembered the days of preaching in the jail, and all of a sudden, I was in the middle of it for about two hours, and Corey come in, I don't know, towards the last hour or so, and Sarah, and um, the amazing thing when God starts touching people that know they're sinners, Hardest thing for God to do is when we are raised in good homes, like me, and we really feel we're pretty good. Because God has done things in our life, and we are outwardly a lot better than the people that have done a whole bunch of crime, and, and I'm glad I didn't do any of that. I am. But when the sinner realizes they're a sinner, whether you're a good one, I say, or a bad one, it totally changes something. But anyway... So anyway, um, let's see. They're all going to be back, and you all are invited. All of us are invited, I should say, on the 24th. And they're all going to be here, and they're all going to be able to share that want to. July, July. It was going to be the 10th, but they want to change it to the... They decided that it was so edifying, the leaders thought it would be good for all of them to be... Well, I suggested them. He said, yeah, I think it's really good here because he said... Some of the very things you guys were talking about, things we've been teaching them, so it's so good that they get to hear from somebody else that isn't like their parents that are constantly having to tell them, do this and do that. Because you're in Teen Challenge, you, you don't have a cell phone, you don't have, your freedoms are gone out of choice because you want to be free from your old friends and your old life. And so uh, some of the uh, leaders were telling me how thankful they were for the time they had here. And they were, someone, one of them was so thankful, I think he listened to it a while, and he decided we were okay, and he left and went to, with his wife down to our home. So, um, I don't know how all Teen Challenge guys are, but these guys seem to really, really want body ministry, and they really want everything that's good. So I was a lot better than I could have imagined, but I figured David was so bad off that he needed something, so... And I felt in my heart that he should go there, and he thought he should, so that's why we got him in, by God's grace. And, and now we find a whole bunch of people love God. And people are, yeah. So I assume we'll probably have more contact with those brethren. Um, I'm going to switch, try to switch gears here, kind of. It's not really totally switching gears, but I went to... Uh, um, anyway, they call it the Shield of Faith. Their conference over in Oregon. It was the best probably I've ever been to in my life. One of the best conferences I've ever been to in my life. So I went down and Dick was sitting in front of the wheelchair, the old brother, 94 now, and um, kneeled down by him and told me how glad he was to see me. It's always glad to see people. We need to keep that in our heart. That we're glad to see each other. And if we don't, then we get hard. And he said, he said, I, people tell me they're Christians. He said, I just believe them until they prove otherwise. And I'm kind of the opposite. I kind of have been like, well, you say you're Christian, well, prove it to me. Prove it to me by your fruit. Prove it to me by your works. And it isn't that we don't want to see the fruit. We do. But he says, when I first meet somebody and they tell me I'm a Christian, I just believe it until they prove otherwise. <laughs> 
So he has a lot of hope for people that he meets. That spoke to me. And then the last uh, uh, day he was reading in Ephesians about the ministries, about perfecting of the saints, and how we're supposed to meet as a church. And, and then they decided to have an extra meeting in the afternoon because he didn't get to say everything he wanted to, so we had one at 3 o'clock, and he let us ask some questions. And So I asked him pointed questions about us, you know, people like us that try to have body ministry and try to encourage people to, to be the church instead of just be sitters, but actually be participants and in the meetings and outside the meetings. And so he, he said something that really kind of broke my heart. It was something that really um, touched me. He said a couple different, said a lot, but he said that heresies must come. He said, why are so people so worried about heresies? Just because somebody teaches heresy doesn't mean they're not a brother. Usually I always heard, you know, i got to keep heresy out. He said, no. He said, that's an opportunity so you can help one another. He said, if, you all, if everything is perfect all the time, nobody gets any growth. And then he said, use the other scripture where it said, a heretic after the first and second admonition reject. He said, so what do people do? They want to reject a heretic the first time. He said, what does God want? So somebody comes in and they're a heretic. And he said, a heretic's different than teaching heresy. A heretic teaches heresy, but he actually wants to destroy things. He wants to wreck what God's doing. So you exhort him, you rebuke him. And then he said it might be another three, six months, and then he might get up and try to do it again. You rebuke him a second time. He does it a third time, then you reject. He's actually wanting to destroy the body. He said, this all helps us grow. He said, how many of you flew airplanes? Well, I've never done that. He said, when he was learning to fly an airplane, and this just really hit my heart deeply. Something Corey was saying, I think something you were saying, and something Isaac was saying. Really hit it. And he says that when you learn on an airplane at a certain stage of flying the airplane, they tell you, take your hands off the controls and let the airplane fly. And that's what the body of Christ, he was comparing that to the body of Christ. There's, so there's some guidance here and everybody says, take your hands off of the body of Christ and let it fly. And I listened to that. And so that's what I'm going to try to do. Doesn't mean I won't try to lead some. But I want you all to fly <laughs> with the Lord. He's the one flying the plane. It's his church, right? So I hardly ever see leaders anywhere. He talked about it. He said when he was a boy, he got saved, and his brother told him, don't join anything that the Bible will tell you to join. Don't submit to anything the Bible doesn't tell you to submit to. And he said, and don't teach anything that God himself hasn't taught you. Don't just repeat stuff for the sake of repeating it unless it's in something spoke to your own heart. He said, I failed in one area. He said, um, people asked me about the end times. I didn't know, so he said, I read what other people. I found what everybody believed. Everybody believed in the pre-tribulation rapture. So I went to South Korea. So I was teaching it, and a guy from North Korea come over, and he said, why do you believe that? He said, um, he said I'm in tribulation. And Dick said, I told him, well, you're not in the great tribulation. And then the man left. He said, I never see him again. But he said, I was so convicted in my heart. What does that mean to somebody that's being tortured? You tell them they're not in great tribulation. So he said, I decided to read the Bible and quit teaching it until I seen whatever God spoke to my heart. So then he read Thessalonians to us. Um, I think it's four, Second Thessalonians, I believe. He said, that day shall not come, except there come a falling away first and the man of sin be revealed. And so anyway, I, was just, I wasn't trying to get into that 
particular doctrine, but just the idea, it really helped me. And um, it's God's church, and you're God's church, and I'm God's church, and I don't want to be the one that's hanging on the controls. But that should make you all be fly better. So I'd like you all to, as much as possible, you guys fly. You guys fly some of the meetings. You guys, and um, see what God will do with this body. I believe it can be more what he had in mind. I'm not saying it hasn't been good in many ways, but I think I've had too much control on the controls. I take my hands off and let it fly. Doesn't mean that I just throw everything to the wind. I never say anything, but it's God's church. And so that's a few verses here I want to read. Okay, Lord, help me. There was there something else I'm to say? I don't know. Lord Jesus, commit this. Thank you for you flying your church, and that you're. Thank you for the brothers that have shared so far. Isaac and Corey and Joe, and probably be others for today's done. God, thank you for each one. Thank you for all the, the sisters here. Thank you that they can share testimonies and things you've done in their life or things you're speaking to them. And God, help me to not hinder what you want to do by me overhelping you, God. In the name of the Lord Jesus, amen. So there's a time, I guess I'll say this, I believe when there's a time when you start a work or you, you're kind of the spearhead that you do lead things, but the goal shouldn't be, and you have to prove whether your goal is that or not by what I do, but some people start a work, it's really of God, but then they can't get out of the way and let God use other people. And sometimes that gets to be a real problem. In many churches, it's, they become kind of secure, got a good leader, good pastor, or a bad one, depending on how it goes. But God's work is it's kind of like Teen Challenge. You know, you train people. If people are disciples, then, then they, you know, you all, we're all going to do the work then. Then maybe some of us can be sent out somewhere else. And so I want to just encourage you all to be who you are in God and value that you're just as important as anybody else. Some people think, oh, the leader's so important. No, they're not so important. They're not any more important than you, the littlest, weakest person. Read a little bit now. Um, let's see here. I want to read a little bit out of Corinthians, uh, chapter 1 and chapter 3. And also, I can do that with my children. I think I've done that with my children as well. There's certain stages in life where you, you have a hold of the controls completely, right? When they're little, have control, have whole control of their, their lives completely. And as they get a little bigger, if we keep as much control, which I've tried to do some with Ruth, she gets up, been hard on her, and um, it doesn't mean that everything is perfect. But if I keep too much control... I'm trying to fly the plane, and people are getting older too much. And probably a lot of my children could say this, maybe even Isaac, I don't know. Maybe I give, took off the controls of him quicker, I don't know. But, but anyhow, do I trust God? And some of my children said, do you trust God in me? And no, I haven't. Is that right, to not trust God? God's works in your life. 
even in the midst of things maybe that I don't like? Do I see God working? That's kind of what Dick was saying. If you tell me you're a Christian, I believe it. Prove otherwise. Does it mean Dick doesn't say anything? No, he sees a lot. <laughs> Probably sees more than me. But he used to look at me and encourage me to get up and share for years. And then one day I got up and shared about communion. And then he got up and said, you know, Randy's been sharing for years. But he said, that was actually edifying. And it always hasn't been edifying, he said. But he encouraged me for years to get up. He'd say, are you going to share in the meetings? It's so good to have you get up and start the meetings. They would say things, you know, it seems like God uses you if you'll get up and start the meetings on Friday. And I got all kinds of problems. But they can see. Maybe not all of them. I'm sure they see some of them by that little comment he made. You said, I couldn't say that was the case in the past. So do we want to hear from one another if it's not perfect? So anyway, I kind of broke my heart just seeing myself. I'm an older man, 94, sitting in a wheelchair there teaching us. And then he says, how come you guys give me so much time? I'm not that important. They gave him a lot of time. I'm glad they did. And he turned at the end. He says, I want to thank you all for listening. Did you actually want to hear what I had to say, he said. By pride cometh contentions. Oh, the theme of the conference was pretty good. It was something that I kind of bristled to a lot of times because a lot of times the religious world, they say it and they mean different, but they talked about the unity of the Spirit. And they talked about what it means and it's different than the unity of faith. And that that's the first thing as Christians is the unity of the Spirit. And Dick said, and we're going to need one another. We need people that don't see everything like we see everything. We're going to need the body of Christ because we're really going to be going through some things. And we're starting to. Doesn't mean that we don't do what we're, we know we're supposed to do as individuals, but it means that we need to learn how to recognize a hunger for God, the direction somebody's going, and a bruised reed, or a bruised little grass he wouldn't break, and a smoldering wick for God he wouldn't put out. John the Baptist said, Fans his hand, a thoroughly purges floor and all that. But when somebody's wanting God, and I thought about these guys that were come through at Teen Challenge, the one guy, he's a lot like I was for many, many years, doubted whether he was saved. He was raised in a Pentecostal home, kind of like me, and, and he keeps trying to be good and trying to, you know, said, well, I'm just not raising anybody from the dead yet. I haven't healed very many people. And, and he just really just felt like he wasn't even saved almost because of that. So I just... I had him read through Romans 8 and wherever it said thee or us or thy. I had him put his name in in front of everybody for about an hour and he actually started to believe it. <laughs> you know, we got to believe what God says about us. If we don't believe what the scriptures say about us, then what are we going to believe? God says it, you know, if you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive you and to cleanse you from all righteousness. If we confess him, is God going to cleanse us? Is he going to do his part? <laughs> but anyhow... I'm just kind of rambling on, but I'm, I'm hope it's edifying. I needed to say it anyhow. Let's see here. First Corinthians chapter one. Paul called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ through the will of God. That's kind of important to be through the will of God. And Sosthenes, our brother. I don't know who Sosthenes was. I don't know if it's anywhere else. It might be somewhere in there, but I don't remember much about Sosthenes. But Paul loved him. He was with him. 
unto the church of God, which is at Corinth, to them that are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints, I think that means set apart, with all that in every place call upon the name of Jesus Christ our Lord, both theirs and ours. Grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God always on behalf, on your behalf. That's pretty good, isn't it? Somebody that always thanks God on your behalf. For the grace of God, which is given you by Jesus Christ. I'm always thanking God for the grace that I see God doing in your life. We start seeing each other that way. What do you suppose that does? I don't know what all it does, but it sure makes my heart happier, and I think it gives God and maybe you and me more freedom to grow. I thank my God always on your behalf for the grace of God, which is given you by Jesus Christ, that in everything you're enriched by him in all utterance. When you're talking, there's things about Jesus you're talking about, and in all knowledge, even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed where? In you. Isn't that a wonderful promise? It was confirmed in you. So that ye come behind in no gift waiting for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Who shall confirm you unto the end? Jesus is going to confirm you unto the end. In other words, he's going to be watching over the life of God in you. He shall confirm you unto the end that ye may be blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. The day. That's the day he comes. It could be the day we die, I suppose, too. God is faithful. He's faithful to do what? To do a work in you as much as in me or anybody else. God is faithful by whom ye were called unto the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Let me give some more exhortations. I want to go to three. You see how his heart was, though? And sometimes I miss things like that. That's his heart. That was the heart of Jesus was in Paul. It was coming through. So anyway, I want to just speak a little bit here. And he's talking still with the same kind of heart in three, even though he's addressing things. And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as babes in Christ. Another word for carnal is temporal. And one of the Greek words says unregenerate. I don't know quite how that fits in. I have fed you with milk and not with meat or not with, uh, you know, strong grown-up food. For hitherto you were not able to bear it, neither yet now are you able. For ye are yet carnal, for whereas one, for us there is among you envying. So even though he said all that good stuff to him, now he's going to try to help him a little bit. He said there's envying among you and strife. That's not very nice, is it? We're fighting with one another. Hey, so-and-so doesn't believe like I do, and so we have this. I think we can say it in a good way, but what about if it's not? And envying and strife and divisions, are you not carnal and walk as men? And they talked about this at the conference, and it spoke to me, so I'm just going to share some of this because it spoke to me. For while one saith, I am of Paul, another I am of Apollos, are you not carnal? Who then is Paul, who is Apollos, but ministers by whom you believed, even as the Lord gave to every man? So each one's important. I have planted, Paul said, I did something that God had me do. I have planted, Apollos watered, but God. What did God do? God gave the increase in each of your lives, in each of my life, in my life. So then, neither is he that planted anything, not, in, not that important, neither he that waters 
but God that giveth the increase. So if we see it's but God, then we really can build with God. We're part of his building, but God that giveth the increase. Now he that planted and he that watered are one. In other words, they're doing their part. But as far as God's concerned, each part's important. Each one of you are important. Each one of us are important. So then neither he that planted anything, neither he that watered, I'm rereading it in 7, but God that giveth the increase. Now he that planted and he that watered are one. That's unity, right? Because we're together. We realize that each we're not a threat to each other. We're just happy that each person is, is ministering and edifying each other in love. And every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. So every one of us, each individual, however you walk with the Lord and you're faithful with what he gives you to do and you're faithful to that, then God is watching over that. He sees what you're doing. He sees your heart. He sees what you're wanting to please the Lord. For we are laborers together with God. We are laborers together with God, not by ourselves. We're not building our own kingdom. We are laborers together with God. You are God's husbandry, or God's orchard, or God's garden. Ye are God's building. You're, you're part of what God's putting together. It's not what man's putting together. According to the grace of God, which is given unto me, as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation, and other builds are on. But let every man take heed how he builds upon. So Paul made disciples. He taught people how to follow Jesus. He said, now it's up to you how you follow him. I told you that Jesus is the foundation. I laid a good foundation. I taught you Jesus Christ is the only purpose in him being the Lord of your life and guiding you every day in every situation. And you're learning to do that better each day. But take heed how you build, how you build on the foundation that was laid in your life, which is Jesus Christ. According to the grace of God, which is given unto me, as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation, another buildeth thereupon. But let every man take heed how he buildeth thereupon. For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. He's saying what the foundation is. It is Jesus Christ in your life and in my life. No other foundation in God. That's the only one that God accepts. Now, if any man build upon this foundation gold, good stuff, things that God shows you to do, silver, precious stones, and he got some stuff that doesn't endure much, right? Wood, it's pretty easy to burn it in the fire. We chop it up and burn it here a lot, make houses out of it and different boards and things. Wood, hay, feed it to the horses. Maybe you put some over your plants in the fall if it's straw and stubble. Every man's work shall be made manifest for the day shall Declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire. And the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. Some people, and I've always thought of it a lot just as a day of judgment, but it seems to me when we're going through something in our daily life, it's also tried with a fire. There's a fire of life. There's a test in our life. And if any man's work abide, which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. And I believe it is the final, too. People say, well, the rubber meets the road. It's my family. It's with my wife. It's with my two daughters that left home, and you, and other people. But the people I'm closest to, that reveals who I really am. If a man's work abide, which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. But if a man's work, personally what I do before God in my hidden life, what you do before God in your hidden life, your little thought, lot, your little thought 
thoughts and big thoughts and all that. Let God in on them. If anyone's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet so is by fire. Know ye not that you are the temple of God. You're the home of God, the temple, the whole place where he can come in by his spirit. And that the spirit of God dwelleth in you. He lives right inside you. He makes his home there. If any man defile the temple of God, him shall God destroy. For the temple of God is holy, which temple ye are. So he's told them all these good things. Now he's just telling them, you know, examine yourself. See where you're, how you're doing. Don't, don't try to let's be real with God. Let no man deceive himself. If any man among you seemeth to be wise in this world, let him become a fool that he may be wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God. For it is written, he taketh the wise in their own craftiness. And again, the Lord knoweth the thoughts of the wise that they are vain. Therefore, let no man glory in men. That's pretty good, isn't it? Therefore, let no man glory in men, for all things are yours, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas. Which these are kind of important people, Paul, right? We'd consider them kind of important, right? But Paul says, whether Paul, he's writing about himself, whether Apollos, another godly brother, or Cephas, which is Peter, Simon Peter, called Cephas, or the world even, or life, or death, or things present, or things to come, all are yours. And ye are Christ. In other words, you belong to Jesus. And Christ is God. Christ is God's. I want to read something out of Ephesians. Ephesians 4. Now, I want you to be seated together with Christ. I want to be seated together with Christ in heavenly places. And we think of it maybe as, a, as some kind of a physical place, but we're talking about the heavenly places. Now, some people translate it realms, but in, in Christ, in your heart, with Jesus, living in your life. What did I say? Ephesians, okay. Ephesians 4. I therefore, the prison of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called. Notice, right in your daily life, He's beseeching, begging, imploring, different words could be used. You, that you walk worthy of the vocation wherein you are called. And he gives, us some, he gives us a good recipe. He tells us how to do it, how to be a Christian, how to live a Christian life, an overcoming Christian life, with all lowliness and meekness, with long-suffering. You think any of us could use more of that? I, I need some. I'm learning more of that. With all lowliness, so that's something we do. We choose to do that. Because right above it says, Walk worthy of the vocation with your called, with all lowliness and meekness, with long suffering, forbearing one another in love, forbearing. You suppose it was easy for Dick to always encourage me to get up when some other people probably didn't like to hear Randy Vanoy? Or Richard, we used to do that too. I mean, maybe people did, some people really liked to hear me, I guess, but some people I don't think did. So do we learn how to appreciate one another when we different brethren get up and share? And we can try to be good when we get up and share. Try not to, that it be edifying. It'd be something working in our own hearts. That's probably be edifying. Charles Finney said, if it's not making you happy, it won't make anybody else happy. Something like that, he said. He said, if you're not excited about it, it isn't going to excite anybody else. So it's good to have something to share that's, that God's working in your life. So that'd be a recipe, part of the recipe. 
So we can edify one another. Endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. So that's what we're endeavoring to do. That's our goal. Does we always keep the unity of the Spirit? Probably not. But is what's our goal? So we want to endeavor to keep the unity of the Spirit. What's that? Part of it is to see and believe, unless somebody proves otherwise, that you want to please the Lord. You want to live for Him. Maybe you don't do everything the way I'd like you to do it, but is your heart for the Lord? And do I rejoice in that? Do you rejoice in that about me? When I do things that you don't like, we're like that as people. But it says endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. And then it says there's one body, one Spirit, even as you are called, and one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, and Father of all, who is above all. And then he says this, through all, and in you all. So now Paul in Ephesians is given all this positive things. He's not doing like I've done a lot, saying, I'm not sure if they're a real brother. I think they're fake. I don't think they're surrendered enough. Paul doesn't seem to have that attitude here. He wants them to be totally surrendered, and he challenges about things through his writings. But what's he say here? One God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. I mean, how does he know that God's in everybody? I guess he just assumes he is, because they said they are followers of Jesus, right? So should we assume that people say they're followers of Jesus, that God's doing something in their life unless they prove otherwise? Unto every one of us is given grace, according to the major gift of Christ. So everybody's got a certain measure from the Lord, and what are they going to do with what God's done in your life, with your life? Just give your life to him. See what he do. I remember Isaac, maybe he wants to say something about that later, but when he first got saved, he was scared about some things, and he gave them all to God, and God had something to tell him. So I won't tell you what it was. You might have already heard it. But if you haven't heard it, you know, maybe he'll share it at the end. And every one of us has given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Grace is something that God gives to us. According to the gift of Christ, it says, Wherefore he saith, when he ascended on high, Jesus, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive, and he gave gifts unto men, or humankind, unto men. It means women too. And that he ascended, what is it, but that he also descended first into the lower parts of the earth. He that descended is the same also, and ascended up far above all heavens, that he might fill all things. Might fill all things, not just some things, all things. And then he gifted, he did something. He gave some apostles. And that's not positions, that's gifts. He gave them as gifts to the body of Christ. Not as like elders or deacons, that kind of ministry. These are just what they are. Some prophets, they are. Whether people recognize them or not, if they're genuine in the Lord and they're humble, God will use them. And some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. And he gave, gives these kind of brethren amongst us to do what for us? To help us. And what's the help going to do? For the perfecting of the saints, the ones that are set apart. If you give your life to Jesus, you're a saint. And you're set apart for Jesus and for the work of the ministry. So they got all kinds of things God's doing. He gives us all this extra help. The guys at Teen Challenge were so thankful, most of them, for all the help they were getting from all the other former addicts and stuff that are there helping them, that are now the leaders. And they're staying there because they want to help other people. Several of them that came through here were 
been there a year, and they stay in another year for free, giving their time because they want to help other people. And they also want to get more grounded themselves. They figured one year wasn't quite enough to have somebody tell them what to do all the time. <laughs> and they get more freedom. Like uh, uh, David Fitzwilliams, we're going to go over the 11th and see him. And he gets a whole day pass because he's been faithful for four months. If he's in drugs, he could do anything he wanted. But he said, I was the most bound person. So I did everything I wanted, all this money. But he said, I wasn't happy. I was destroying myself. Now he's having somebody else help him clean the floor and teach him how to clean the floor. They make him go out and work. They don't get paid nothing except they get to stay there and be a disciple. Anyway, what verse was I at? Somebody help me. Oh, yes. For he gave these apostles, prophets, evangelists, and there could be, I think, more of a list, but these are five that's mentioned. For the perfecting or the maturing of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying the body of Christ, for the edifying, strengthening, building up, helping one another, even if sometimes, you know, somebody has to talk to us about the attitude that isn't good, right? Talk to me, maybe I should say it that way, about an attitude that I have that isn't good. Can I learn how to receive that better than I have? Till we all come in the unity of the faith. So this is the goal. That we be, then we're going to become the unity of faith where our doctor is going to get more and more the same. Till pretty soon we're speak eye to eye, and, and we're really um, becoming, after being together a while, we're becoming closely knit together in thought and doctrine and teaching. And, and that's the goal, is that then Christ, we become a unified front. But at first, we're just trying to keep the unity of the faith, a unity of the Spirit. Now we're coming to the unity of the faith. For the perfected saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying the body of Christ, till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect, or some Bibles say mature man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. He just wants to perfect you. He wants to make you into a beautiful person that he called you to be, each one of you, and me. I'm glad I'm not excluded. Some leaders talk to the, to the people like that they're already there or that they exclude themselves by saying you, but us. For the perfect, to a perfect man or mature man, unto the measure, the stature, the fullness of Christ. That we henceforth, or from now on, be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine or teaching, because what? We've come to the unity of the faith now. Our doctrine is more clear. What we understand, things have got clear. By the slight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive. Some people do that. But speaking the truth in love, speak the truth, even if it hurts, but in love, may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. From whom? From who? From Jesus. From whom the whole body, all the true followers of Jesus, the truly born-again disciples, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth, according to fetchal working in the measure of every part, maketh increase the body and the edifying of itself in love. It's pretty much always there. These are good verses, and so that's, we get to do it. We get to be it. You get to be it. So wherever you're at, if you don't not here again, you can be it wherever you're at. If you love Jesus, tell Jesus, here I am. 
I'm yours. My wife come to Jesus, that's basically what she said. She was in, raised an atheist and got saved before I knew her. I still can't believe she was as bad as she says she was. But anyway, she was a bad sinner, I guess. I was kind of a good one, but bad in God's eyes. I was raised in a Christian home. I was homeschooled. But I would like us to each not be afraid to function, not be afraid to talk to us. And I want to try to be more open. I choose to be. So go ahead and test me. See what happens. Hopefully I don't react. If I do, please bear with me. I'll try to bear with you. Let's love one another. As Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. I don't know. It was really sweet to see these guys from Teen Challenge. It did something to me. These men, all of them, pretty much are coming out of bad stuff, so they, none of them really think they're great. And they all were loving each other. One guy's crying, the other guys are up praying for the other guy. I mean, it's quite a trip, you know, quite a good trip. <laughs> I shouldn't say trip, maybe, but that's a hippie turn, tripping on drugs. But anyway, a good time. And, they're, and, then, they get, and then they want to pray for us, you know, for Saturday morning. And they can say, oh, Randy, Jack, come over here. Let's just all gather around and pray for you guys. So... We can do that with one. Does anybody need prayer here today? Oh, Russ probably wants to say something, too. I don't want to let him. He probably wants to say something. So, Russ, by the way, is, uh, if any of you don't know who Russ is, most of you do, I think. He was my roommate. Roommate. He was in my house when I come back from Bible school, I think in 82, spring of 82, because I had turned over to somebody else, I think. Or did I turn over to you? I don't remember. I no, Russell, uh, Lyman, I think I turned it over to. So he had a roommate, and so then there was the three of us in my house. And Russ, the phone number I have, by the way, used to be his phone number back about 35 years ago. My office number is still his old number. Yeah. Well, I, we can probably raise that now. I pretty well sold my business, so... <laughs> so anyway, we had people in our house. We took people in. Russ and me, and we tried to minister to people. I took people in from jail, and people stole stuff, and it was quite a trip. Quite an experience. I shouldn't say trip. That's kind of a bad way to say it. That's kind of a hippie way to say it. But anyway, it was quite an experience. So anyway, um, do you want to get up and say something, Russ? you got to speak loud then. Yeah, go ahead. kind of a point I was trying to make last night as we were fellowshipping that as we read the Bible we need to try to empty our heads of all of our traditional teachings, the things that we have, we've assumed because of where Christianity is today with all the denominational influence each one of us might have had that kind of causes us to think the way we do and teach things in the way that we do but as Randy was saying, that we need to, and Joe, that we need to let those things be challenged by the Word of God. And as Paul's talking in 1 Corinthians here, it's uh, nice to look at it in the way that this was Christianity maybe 20 years after Christ ascended. So the problems that we have today weren't present yet, but what, he's, what Paul's talking about in 1 Corinthians here the seed of the problems that we have today are starting to develop. He was addressing those things. Whether it was the, you know, the idea of a clergy and laity that people wanted to, as Randy's saying, to, to 
body, the ministry of the body is what's important. Every member has a function and has something to offer. But even then, to say that I'm of Apollos or I'm of Peter or, or I'm of uh, who else is mentioned there? But the idea that I'm, I'm of Paul or I'm of Christ, it was kind of like the, that whole idea of maybe we could call it a hero worship type of thing. Yeah. 